Well, hey everyone, Athena Dean Holtz here, and welcome to the All Things Podcast, where we gather once a week to hear real life stories about how God works all things together for good, because he is always faithful and always good. Well, hey, before we get this party started, I have some exciting news for you. If you're ready to get your book in front of an entirely new and fast-growing market, an audiobook would be perfect for you. Having an audiobook gives you the opportunity to get your book in front of more people while giving the listener a new way to hear your story in an intimate way. An estimated 131 million people listen to an audiobook in 2021. And do you know that the people that listen to audiobooks don't read print books? They only listen to audiobooks. So it's a whole new market for you to take advantage of. Leverage the opportunity of getting your book in front of millions of people by having an audiobook today. We can help you create one. Visit redemptionpressaudio.com for our introductory special. Welcome to today's episode of the All Things Podcast. I am so excited to introduce you to another new Redemption Press author, Michelle Rolfe, and her new book, Losing Her, Finding Me. Michelle spent a lifetime focusing on relationships and encouraging others to cultivate their own healthy relationships. She speaks at retreats, women's meetings, and Bible studies, and has a passion for mentoring and discipleship, whether it be for one-on-one or in small groups. Married to a wonderful, supportive man since 1995, Michelle resides in Phoenix, Arizona, has two daughters and two grandsons and two small fluffy dogs. Losing Her, Finding Me is her first book. So let's roll that conversation. Well, Michelle, it is such a delight to have you here today after having spent a number of days with you in Lexington, Kentucky. So welcome to the All Things Podcast. Thank you. It was so fun. Yes, it was absolutely delightful to just to get to know you a little bit better and to hear more about your story. So I am super excited for our listening audience to hear what you have to share. So before we start talking about your new book, which is amazing, I would love for you to just share whatever, and we all have lots of Romans 8, 28 stories where God has brought good out of bad, where we couldn't even imagine how he could do it. I would just love for you to give us a peek into how God has worked in your life in bringing good out of struggles. Okay. So I have a like couple, but I think the one I'm going to share is when uh, my daughter was two years old, he, God moved me across the country to, uh, for a job and I'd never, um, and I had nobody there. I had no family or friends or anything. And it was just me and my two-year-old. And I had this job and we set up house and about four months into the job, I was demoted. And I, my 
salary was cut like $10,000 and I was devastated. <laughs> and so I kept looking for another job. I wanted to, but it was a small town. It was Jefferson City, Missouri. So it wasn't like a lot of jobs that were the same as what I was doing. So I just realized I have to stay here or I could go back to Utah and go home. And I finally found a little church. Uh, I just thought, I just need some support. I need friends or something. So I found this little tiny church that had six members. It was brand new. And they just welcomed me in. And, and uh, my daughter was the only child. <laughs> and it was a really great little place. So anyway, that's where my faith really started to grow. And I remember calling my mom one morning and just crying and crying and saying, I hate this play job. I want to come home. I, and my mom said, we'll pay for it. Just come home. She couldn't stand to see how miserable I was. And I said, but I can't because God won't let me. <laughs> ah. <laughs> and, I, and I didn't know much about God at that time, but I knew that I knew that I knew that I was not supposed to leave Missouri. So I stayed and it was maybe four months later that I met my husband that I'm married to now. Wow. So if I would have gone home, I would have never met him. Wow. And how, I mean, just to process through the struggle, the shame, the embarrassment that, you know, of getting demoted and all of that, how the enemy just wanted you to run away from that. And just go back home. And but God wouldn't let you go. I love how He did that and helped you to have the courage to stay to yes. be obedient to Him. Yeah, there was just, and I really do it even in the book, I attribute a lot of the mentorship I got from those ladies in that church mm. to keep my eyes on Jesus, to know who He was, and it really helped me to know that there was another way. And if I felt that strongly at being such a young Christian about who God was and what he has for my life, I really do think it was because they were egging that on. They were saying, yes, he knows. And you, you can suffer and God's got you. I learned mm -hmm. a lot of stuff through that. A lot of uh, things about faith. Right. Which you may not have had you not gotten that demotion right. and be, been so hurt by that. I mean, I love how he used that situation to propel you into the faith. Yes. Another thing that's interesting, Athena, was that I was unfairly demoted. And the three people that had something to do with it. I re, when I when God told me I needed to stay, he also said, and I'll take care of it. And Ooh. so I sat back and I just was happy and nice to those people. And I I just knew God was going to take it. And sure enough, by the end of that year, every one of them was fired or yeah, one of them actually. And I know God had me see this was actually led out of the workplace in handcuffs by the FBI. <laughs> Wow. It was not the FBI. It was the DEA. It was drug related. Wow. Yeah. So he was right. He said he'd take care of it and he took care of it. 
Wow. And what a faith builder to yes. trust him in that and then see him do it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. okay. So we are, I love that story. We are going to shift gears and talk about um, your very candid writing about your difficulties with your daughter and all of that and how that played out. How is your relationship now? We are speaking and she lets me see the grandkids. She brings them over. We do everything is fine. It's fine. It's I've realized just recently that maybe I don't think it's fine because it's not what my expectation of the relationship should be, mm. but that's on me. I, I need to accept her for who she is as an adult woman and appreciate her just as she is. And that's just something in the last week I've just realized that I was thinking, no, we're really still estranged kind of, she's still not. And I just realized, no, no, she's fine. She's great. And I'm great. So we're great. <laughs> so, okay. So if we have some people listening today or, or readers that are um, starting to read your book and they're struggling with a difficult parent-child relationship, how will your message of losing her finding me encourage them? I think it will have them focus on themselves and on their relationship with the Lord instead of the relationship with their child. We get so wrapped up with our kids that we think that what they think of us is who we are mm -hmm. or what we do for them or what how much we do for them, that that's what gives us identity. And it's not, it's not our, we are whole human beings in God's eyes, exactly how we are and the relationships between me and the Lord, not me. And, you know, if, if the one with the Lord is straight, then the ones with other people are. So I think that that's what it will help. When you read my book, you'll see the process I went through from not knowing who I was because I put my entire identity in her to the Lord saying, you know what, you need to find out who you are without her and mm. him taking me through that. So I think it would help with difficult relationships as well as totally estranged, no contact relationships. Um, yeah. Well, and it's, and it's so easy for us and the enemy would love for us to just always be questioning what did I do wrong? How, you know, this is my fault. Just that whole shame guilt thing that it may or may not have anything to do with something that we did or didn't do. That's so true. I mean, that is really the first, every estranged parent I've talked to, we all go through this first, the first stage is we go do an autopsy of every moment we spent with that child and what we did wrong, you know, because I disciplined them or because I snapped at them because it was a bad day or the day I, you know, said something wrong in emotion instead of tempering it as a good parent would. Right. And it, and we do, we all do that. We go through every single moment that we can think of thinking that one thing could have caused it. And it's, it's like what you said, it's not necessarily us. 
these kids, we have to remember, they're going through young adulthood and it's hard and they have to get out and live their own lives and take responsibility for their own life, their own faith, their own financial, all that stuff's pretty hard and stressful. And sometimes they turn it on us and blame yeah. us. And, you know, the mom's always wrong. <laughs> so, so tell me, did writing the book offer any outlet or personal therapy for you as you, as you work through it? Yes. In fact, I have a funny story. So I wrote the whole book, except for the estrangement piece, the actual day that they walked out and I could not do it. So my friend who edited the book for me, she flew. I've known her since she was eight years old. We were eight years old. So she knows me. She's been through a lot of my childhood with me. So she flew down to Arizona from Utah and took me away to an Airbnb and said, OK, Michelle, we're going to write you're going to write this piece. And so the next morning I woke up, I woke up and I walked out and I said, knowing I had to write this piece and I started to fall and I'm crying and I'm saying she betrayed me. And how could she do this? And oh, my. And I hadn't done that for months, but I just thinking about it and crying and 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 then my Marilee sitting in the chair and she goes, I go, okay, I think I'm done. And she goes, I, I, I'm okay. I think I'm okay. And she goes, oh, I don't think you are. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I just had one more in me. Mm. I just needed to, to emote. I needed to get that last one out. Then I sat down at the table and I wrote it out and I had it done. So yes, it definitely had a lot of therapy. There were things in it when I was doing the audiobook. When I was reading it again, I was like, mm. oh, I forgot about that. I, I And I realized, oh, oh, now I remember. So, yes, definitely therapy for me. Mm. Amen. So I can't, I mean, this has kind of been in the back of my mind ever since I, I understood kind of what you're, um, where you were going with the story. I, and I wanted to ask you this. How does your daughter feel about the book? Is it difficult for her to have her struggles depicted in print? Yes. And she is not reading it. And she has no, like, she's not coming to the launch. Um, she wants really nothing to do with it. But I asked her four times in different intervals, once before I even started writing the book. And then later on, as I was writing it, I've asked her four times, are you sure you're, oh, before I published it, before I sent it to a publisher, I asked her um, every single time it's been yes. And she said, Mom, you have to work this out however you have to work it out. And if this is it, then this is it. So she's OK with it. She's still talking to me and being my friend, even though she knows that this is gone as far as it's gone. Um we really think that maybe some day down the road, maybe she'll use it for therapy. Mm -hmm. She'll want to read it and then see a therapist and work through some of her stuff. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so for readers struggling to heal from their own childhood wounds, how will your book encourage and help them? If nothing else, it will point them to some ways to get help. 
So like I did celebrate recovery. I did personal counseling. I had some wonderful women in my life who mentored me and discipled me. Um, it will encourage them to see that there is hope in, in digging up the mess. You know, I know it's not fun, but in the book, you'll see my evolution as I go through each epiphany or thing that came up that I do work through it and out the other side. Mm. So hopefully it'll help. I really hope so. Well, it's so good to watch someone else connect the dots and allow God in and watch him work to the place where you can look back and go, wow, thank you, Lord, for mm. that healing that only he can do. Yes. And, um, I love that. So was it a difficult decision to open up about your life in such a personal way? You know, uh, somebody else asked me that question. And I it at that moment, it hit me about how personal and how transparent I am in this, con this book. But, you know, honestly, Athena, I've always been really transparent. And I've even had my husband who loves me just as I am and who never says anything critical. But sometimes he'll say after meet brand new meeting people, he would say, you know, you don't have to tell everything all at once. <laughs> <laughs> TMI, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I love that God uses that. He made me that way. And he uses that for a good purpose. So that's yeah. good. Well, and it also just gives others permission to, you know, cause a lot of people don't talk about the things that have hurt them and that they've struggled with because, you know, it's embarrassing or whatever. And that, you know, it, there's some real freedom in actually articulating it and identifying it and, you know, asking God into the middle of it. It's great because I guess I don't mind being transparent because it's such a way to glorify God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When I show my warts and show what God did, that is yeah. so fun to see him working in everyday life, every little thing. It's really a miracle. Every, every little thing is pretty much a miracle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so how did you handle writing about negative, deeply personal things involving love, involving loved ones? Okay. So there are some stories in there of other people, um, in my childhood stories. And so I talked to them, I, the people that are alive and everyone's been pretty, very fine with it. I wouldn't have done it if relationship is never worth, you know, losing over something like this. Right. So right. Always pick the relationship. So um, when I wrote about it, if there was something that that was difficult, like I knew the person was not did not act in a good way and mm -hmm. I didn't know how to write about it, I would pray about it and I would say, Lord, please help me write this story about this person in a favorable way, but get the point across. And he did every time. I don't think there's any, I worry about my daughter's ex-husband 
how he would feel. But I really think I respected him through the whole thing. Mm. So I think it's good. And a lot of times as we write these hard things and we just tell our story, we're not telling necessarily their story. We're telling our story and how we responded to that. Yes. That's, that's our story to tell. Right. That's what, that's true. And that's, I did think that, that, well, you know what I'm not saying? That was one thing I really prayed about because I didn't want to say, well, he was thinking this or she was doing, you know, because I don't know what they were thinking. Right. And so I needed, I was really careful about doing any of that. It was like, you know what? This is my opinion. This is where it's from me. It's not about them. I don't know. I can't read minds. So mm, good, good, good. I was really careful with that. So how did the process of writing the book impact your relationships with the people that you write about? It, I don't, well, I, honestly, like my brother's been really proud of me and that's, sweet because he never has like expressed that to me. So that was, that's been really sweet. My parents are both deceased. Actually, I have no family except for an aunt and my brother. So, and my aunt's really excited. They're coming down from different States for the launch party. So they've been all really sweet. The only thing that's been a problem was my niece. I told a story about something in her parents' marriage that in the book, that I didn't know she didn't know. And uh, so when she read the book, it it caused problems, but um, nothing has come of that. They never, in fact, they were, my brother was glad it came to light because he didn't realize she didn't know. And so all things work together for good. Amen. <laughs> wow. Well, and I love that, you know, when we seek to honor God in the way we recount a story that is a hard story, um, you know, he leads us to speak the truth in love in a way that honors him, honors people. And, you know, when you're not, when you've processed through the pain and you're not speaking and telling it out of bitterness, yes, that's a healthy, that's the healthy way to share and, and, and make sure you're growing from it. And the people who read your story are growing from it rather than, you know, getting more bitter or whatever. So I love that. So if we've got some people listening to the podcast today and they want to connect with you online, get a copy of your book, find you on social media, what is the best way for them to do that? So to find my book, you can get it anywhere books are sold and including the Redemption Press website. And they can connect me, with me. I'm under Michelle Rolf uh, for my website. Okay. I'm also um, Michelle underscore Rolf for Instagram and Michelle Rolf on Facebook, our author and speaker on Facebook. And I'm, I do, um, oh, on YouTube, Michelle Rolf. I okay. tried to make it really easy. Yeah, I guess so. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. This is such an important topic because it's just, I mean, parent alienation has been happening for a long time, uh, but just so much more in the last few years with so much division. And um, I'm just so glad that you're able to tell your story in a way that will really give 
women, primarily women, yeah. just the hope that they need that they, you know, they are not the problem and they can learn, um, you know, that God values them and their identity in Christ is more important than the relationships they have. And, you know, Athena, even if it is their fault, even if they were not in a great place when they raised children or whatever, I think it will help them with that too. I mean, yeah. we do the best we can, but we're not full, complete human beings when we parent. Right. We are still fallible. Absolutely. And, right. And so hopefully my book, I'm really pray that it can help people and let them know that they're still worth something and that they, they have a purpose. And if God, if they're still alive, God's still working on them. So. Amen. Well, God bless your ministry. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's just been a delight. Thank you for having me. Amen. Well, thanks so much for joining us today for the All Things Podcast, brought to you by Romans 828 Bookstore and Redemption Press. If today's episode encouraged you, we would love to have you share it with your friends on social media and maybe even leave a review on Apple. That will help the algorithms get us up higher to the top when people are searching for podcasts that can bring them hope and encouragement. So thanks again for joining us today, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Bye for now.